welcome to the Capital Discussions Roundtable. I'm Tom Nunnemaker with our guest John Locke today. Uh, before we get started, a quick disclaimer that Capital Discussions is not a broker-dealer or an investment advisor. This presentation is for educational purposes only. We don't know your situation and have no way of knowing what level of risk is appropriate for you. We're not making any specific trade recommendations. The risk of loss in trading options can be substantial, so please be aware of all of your risks prior to placing any trades. Hypothetical computer simulated trades are believed to be accurately represented. However, actual profit or loss may vary due to market factors such as liquidity, slippage, and commissions. So with that disclaimer out of the way, I will give you the ball, John. And uh, John, welcome back. You've been here before, but uh, we might have some new people today. So maybe a quick introduction of who you are and uh, just to let the new people know about uh, what you're doing. Yeah, no, uh, definitely, for sure. So um, basically who I am, and if you haven't heard of me before, I am uh, owner of a company called Locking Your Success LLC. LLC. We are a coaching uh, or a coaching and trading performance mentoring company, so we specialize in helping people perform well while they're trading. We also, most of our clients are, are income traders, which, uh, which is the case here in Capital Discussions, I believe, as well. I also have directional traders and so forth that we coach, and we help them with their trading plans and their performance. Uh, we really focus a lot on having the proper mindset and having the proper trading psychology. I am a uh, certified in NLP, I'm a master uh, practitioner in NLP and, and the various other technologies that help the way, help you understand the way that people think and to help you think properly so that you can improve your performance and get what you want out of life. So we focus on a lot of that. I'm also a, uh, I've developed a lot of income trading programs such as the M3 and, and a whole bunch of other ones. And um, I'm also a, a retail trader and a professional trader with, uh, on a prop desk where we deal with you know, a lot of you know, millions of dollars and I go ahead and we do income trades with that. The same strategies, by the way, that we, that we show, the same strategies that I do in the, uh, in the programs as well. So they're very, very effective. Do you have a, um, let me see if I can share my desktop here. Yeah. Do you have to allow me to do that? Uh, I already did. You should have a uh, share your desktop button. No, it never showed up. So let me see if I can actually. Uh, if you're on a PC, try Control-Alt-D, like Delta. Control-Alt-D. Ah, there we go. That's better. So let me just. So here, let me just start the slideshow. And I see your slide, so I think we're set. Awesome, awesome. Excuse me. So let me, why can I not find what I'm looking for? All right, so uh, yeah, we have uh, the same old disclaimers that, um, that uh, Tom has, so we won't bother going over that. I am going to show you an example of a trade. It's going to be hypothetical trade. Uh, so the performance is believed to be as accurately represented as possible. However, live results can vary with that. What we're going to talk about here is the APM Square program that I just recently did. And we're going to discuss what APM actually means and what it is and, uh, you know, and how, it can, how you can use it to help you. So then we'll go over an example. So essentially what we did is it's, we did a two-day high-level income trading course for experienced M3 traders here up in New Hampshire with the objective of the program being to drastically improve your trading performance through the use of advanced position management, which is what we're going to go over. 
the appropriate psychology and and in an effective evaluation process that identifies and corrects problems with your trading methods and your trading psychology. And when I did the program, what I wanted is I wanted experienced traders in the group so that we could get as much as possible out of the class. So in order for you for a trader to attend the class, they actually had to qualify with me. So they had to have a phone call and we had to uh, have have them pre-qualified, and they probably refused 50 traders or so before we came up with the great group that we had. And what we covered in the two days was really, you know, quite amazing. So we talked about the biggest challenges at becoming extremely successful at anything, and then we applied them to trading. So we wanted to know, you know, what stops a good, or what stops you from being the magnificent trader that you were designed to be. And I'm not talking about being a good trader. I'm talking about being a powerful, confident, confident trader who truly understands what it takes to thrive long-term in the markets. Now, the question becomes, well, how do we do that? And it comes down to having the proper way of thinking. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about controlling your emotions and having checklists or, or whatever, but that really doesn't help you a whole lot if you have to think about it and if you're constantly fighting yourself to, get, to do what you need to do. Because you might know what you need to do, but once you get a little tired or you lose focus, what happens is we slip back, right back and, and do the same old things over and over again. So the biggest challenges that we have with getting what we want out of life, assuming we've actually decided what we want, is not because we don't know how to do it. Because in many cases, especially when I talk to clients, they know exactly what to do to get what they want. And if they don't, the information is readily available to them through the Internet. Right? So the biggest challenge, therefore, is, not, is getting ourselves to do what we need to do in order to get what we want. And the reason we have a challenge with doing that is because we don't understand how we work. We don't understand how our mind works. No one ever gave us a user's manual. So we, just going, so we just end up going around trying to force ourselves to do things and actually hoping that it works. Now, with APM, we show you what goes on in your head and how to communicate with yourself so you can effortlessly think, feel, and automatically do whatever is necessary to get what you want. We then apply these concepts to the most common presenting problem that I see in my one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, which is how to deal with stress and fear. So we spend a, a significant amount of time dealing with stress and fear. We go over what it is and how to eliminate it. And then we go deeper into how you work while showing you a process that is used by all top performing people in any field to drastically improve the results. And then, again, we show you how to apply that to trading so that you can skyrocket your trading results as well. And then, of course, another piece of the program is actually the advanced position management section, where we deal with the mechanics behind advanced M3, advanced rock, and advanced bearish butterfly concepts. So let's talk about that for a minute. When we look at an M3, a bearish butterfly, and the rock programs, they were actually put together from the perspective that the student was coming from a typical program where they teach these elementary, rigid, rule-based ways of income trading, such as using 
you know, various high-probability condor strategies or low-probability condor strategies or butterflies, calendars, diagonals, and rudimentary trading by the Greeks concept. In other words, programs that are designed to cater to people who are just out there looking for a trade that's exactly the same all the time and is going to miraculously make them a huge return every year with virtually no losses. And all I can say is if that's what you're looking for or if that's what the program is designed to do, you know, good luck with that. So if you've been at that long enough, you've probably found out that that doesn't work long term. It works for short periods of time, but certainly not long term. So anyway, I needed to be able to take someone coming out of these rigid fundamental programs and actually teach them how to make money. And in order to do so, I, ended up, I created a concept-based trade or a tra set of trades in the M3 and the ROC trades. And these are concept-based trades that are mechanical enough to understand for most people, yet concept-based enough to actually work. And many of those who have actually been through the M3 program have actually had, 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 had long-term success for the first time in their lives, which is awesome. Now, one thing to understand about the M3, however, is that it was designed as a starting point. It's an attempt at mechanically controlling the T plus zero line in Greeks in a manner that's understandable to most income traders coming from these other programs. Now, if you've traded the M3, it works, but it's not the most efficient or the most effective way to do things. The reality is that we can create the same T plus zero line profile as a normal M3 in many, many different ways. And most of the time, we can do it in a manner that increases our returns with fewer, more simple adjustments. The only major challenge being that we're often in the trading groups and so forth. And a lot of times, people are uncomfortable with that. And that results in a position that they may not understand unless they've actually traded the entry for an extended period of time. And while they've done that, they've actually focused on the concept-based aspect of it rather than the mechanical aspects of it. In other words, we're trying to create a different mindset. We want to go from a strict rule-based mechanical mindset to a flexible concept-based strategy or mindset that um, you're much more fluid with. And that can be a huge, huge leap for some people. However, once you break free from those limitations, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities in how you trade. So with the APM concepts, we can do things like uh, control our capital level more efficiently. And because we can do that, we can often double or sometimes triple our trading size with the same amount of capital, thereby increasing our returns on our investment. We can create more simple adjustments that have fewer contracts, which reduce your execution costs. We can transform more easily and more gradually if you're familiar with the systems, from an M3 type of system to a rock type of a position and then to a bearish butterfly position. We can create positions that are kind of in between, something that reacts like an M3, yet has the capability to deal better with these grinding up markets that we've been experiencing lately. And the best of all, with this in-depth knowledge, you can actually custom design your own trades. Right? So I'm not telling you to trade exactly this way. I'm saying take the concepts and the information that you have here. Apply it to your psychology, in other words, what you uh, 
um, what you have for risk tolerances, what you have for money, what your personality is like, and design your own trade to go around what you have. Because the concepts are so strong, you can trade them in many, many different ways. So this is really, really cool. And when you think about it, we've had two full days of information that build on top of the M3, the bearish butterfly, and the rock concepts that don't even go over the mechanics of the trades. Right? So it's, it's like taking all that information you have in those programs and then building on top of it for two days, which is just a real a ton of information. So the program itself, like I said, it's an awesome program. There's a ton of information to drastically improve your trading. As of right now, I don't have anything to sell you as far as the program goes because I'm still putting the video program together. But if you're interested in being the first to hear about the details and uh, well, when it's going to be released, which is probably going to be sometime towards the end of the month, what you just do is just come down to my website, and it's walkingyoursuccess.com, and you just go to programs, and you'll see the uh, ATM Square program there, which will bring you to this page. And you can just click on this little guy, and he'll bring you to a, uh, a, a page where you can sign in and get information on that. So that is the general background information on the program. If anybody has any questions on that, they can tell me. If not, I'm just going to go ahead and just kind of give you an example of some of the mechanical trading features of the program and how we deal with an M3 trade. Now, in order to do anything with this program, you're going to want to make sure that you're um, already familiar with what an M3 trade is, what a rock trade is, uh, or, and you maybe get those programs. Because if you don't, you won't understand the trading part. Of course, the psychological part is good for everybody, but the mechanical part is going to be a lot more challenging for you to understand if you don't know what an M3 trade is. Uh, so here, what I decided to do is I'm just going to kind of do a random example that where I know the market's going up. So right here, I'm going to do an M3 trade or show you a, an, what we call an advanced M3 trade that, converts in, that gradually converts into a rock trade that um, is going to be started at 30 days to expiration. And I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go, but um, I know it's an up move. But you know, we're, we're going to attempt not to cater to that. So here we have the chart just to see what we're doing with the price charts. As the market came down, it's whipsawed. And like I said, I just picked this because it was 30 days to expiration. So if we were going to do a regular M3 trade here, we'd come in probably at about 1070. So let's see. So we come in here at 1070, and we look at something like this. We put on a butterfly, and one, two, three, four, five, right here. We would check the delta of our butterfly. We see we're about minus 128, which is essentially going to be a little bit too high of a negative delta to hedge it off with a. Um, to hedge it off with a, uh, a call because it's going to be a little bit too negative delta. So you would probably do something like this. Put a small vertical in here, bring it down to maybe closer to 100, right? And then you could come in here and maybe do like a 970 call, something with not very much time premium. And this should produce a graph that looks, this is a familiar M3 graph, right? Which is a $50,000 planned capital trade. It starts out with about, in this case, $27,000, $28,000. Mm -hmm. 
Now, one of the things we can do is we can be more efficient with our capital, and we can actually trade this larger and still stay within our $50,000 plan capital limit. So what I might do here is I might just double up. right? So I'm going to come in here, and instead of doing 10 of these, I'll do 20. I'll do minus 30. And, and that's probably going to put us over a capital limit in this particular case. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. But in this particular case, I think it will. So if I come in here uh, and do this, I've essentially double-sized the trade, but I am over capital limit, right? Because I'm only allowed 50,000 in the trade. So to correct for that, I'm going to do a couple things. I'm just going to take this, these 20 contracts, and I'm just going to move them from here to here. That is going to throw me a little bit more negative delta than I want. So to correct for that, I am going to go minus 20 here and minus 20 here. Right? And that's going to give me something that looks like this, which now has about 45,000 in it. So now I essentially have the same position I had before, except it's double sized. It allows you to make more money. And I'm still within my capital limits. So I can go ahead and I can convert this. And I'm just going to look at thinkorswim for a minute and another screen here. All right, so it looks like if I probably go to about the 26th or 27th. Let me just go to the 26th. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's just click the 27th. I'm probably going to be about time to run into a problem here. So if I'm using a regular MS3 trade, um, you know, what do I do with this? Well, typically a regular M3 trade, I'm using a delta limit here of about minus 100 if we're inside the tent, minus 75 near the edge, about minus 50 when we get outside the tent. And we're usually going to make delta corrections with putting in verticals, which we could actually do here, right? Because we're minus 72, so we're a little bit, a little bit high on our delta. So what I can do here is I can do 10, uh, 1080, 1090 verticals, minus well, 10 here. And that's going to correct us down to like minus 18, but it's also going to bring our capital level again up over our limits here. So we're going to need to make a concession for that. We're going to have to do some sort of a, uh, of a move. So I'm going to come in here, and I'm just going to move 10 of these up to 1040, and we'll just see what that does to everything here. So it brings me to about minus 40 delta, which is realistically more where I want it to be anyway. Um, I want it to be under minus 50, but I didn't really want to be zero, right? So minus 40 is pretty good. And I'd be in a position like this. So now I'm back within my capital limits, and I'm still essentially in the same trade. So if I close that out and convert this, next day we have uh, let's see here. We're going to go in here and move forward. And let's see, we've got 29 point up move in the Russell, which is pretty big. We have our delta is fine, no problem there. But we are running uh, negative theta. We are running positive vega, right? So one of the things we talk about with the M3 trade. There's nothing wrong with being outside the tent of a position per se. That's perfectly fine. The challenge comes in is when your position starts, obviously negative state is not a good thing being a positive state of trader. But the other thing that's not very good being out here is being positive volatility. 
because when your positive volatility is essentially saying that this T plus zero line here is supported by value or the value, uh, the time value in these options that are sitting right here. And what's going to happen is if the market actually stops and the time value comes out of these, you're going to get a collapse in the T plus zero line and lose some money. So we don't generally like to be um, in a position like this where the T plus zero line is out here and you're significantly positive Vega, which is what we are now. So typically on a normal M3 trade, we would do something like uh, take this whole group of options. Okay, so, uh, uh, I, just, I saw that question, Tom. So where do I get my capital requirements? Right here, right? So actually my actual risk in this position is going to be whatever the bottom line is of my, uh, on my expiration graph. That's the most I can actually lose in it. So in this position, normally what we're going to do is we're going to take all these contracts and make this huge move rolling um, you know, all the way maybe up to uh, like 10, 11, 10. But if I'm doing this, you know, really, what's my problem? My only problem is I'm trying to stabilize my vague theta numbers because my delta is fine. So that being the case, I can do something like add butterflies up at this 1140 level. So I can do something like this. Right, and I don't care that I'm stopping out strikes. It doesn't really matter. Like I said, with this, we're not trying to stay in any type of formation. We started out as a regular, as a regular butterfly, kind of a regular butterfly formation. We kind of butchered the butterfly formation when we double sized, and we butchered it even more when we put verticals in, and then we started rolling this stuff up. You know, now we're putting butterflies up here, and realistically, I'm not looking for a butterfly structure. I'm only looking at what the t my t plus zero line is doing. So here. It would, we would, and I realize we're over capital now, so we're going to adjust for that. But here, I would be looking at a position that's something like this, which is fine. I t I've stabilized my T plus zero line up here. My Greeks, at this point, I consider myself outside the tent because I'm outside my primary tent. So I'm going to want to flatten my Greeks out to a little bit less than minus 50. I'm over that now. And I'm going to want to reduce my capital. But this would be, this is a much simpler move than moving everything. So I could come here, and if I want to uh, remove my capital in this thing, what I can do is, because we've had such a large up move, um, it will probably be worth taking some money out of here. Right, so minus two. And I could roll this up to probably, my guess is maybe here. And that might do it, but um, all right, so let me take a look at what I have here, right? So that kind of is going to help with my capital level, but I'm still having a delta issue. So let me just convert that, and to correct my delta issue, one of the things that I could do here is I could sell 10 of these. Uh, let's see, let's roll these 20 points, I'll roll these to here. And then we'll take these uh, 1070s, and we'll go to, say, 1090. Let's see where that puts us. 
That puts us under minus 50 delta, or right around minus 50, which is uh, what we want. Our vega is now positive. Uh, sorry, vega is now negative. Our theta is significantly positive. It'll give us a position that looks like it has about $42,000, $43,000 in it, and looks something like that. Right? If you're looking at the exploration graph, it's really funky. But realistically, if you compare this T plus zero line to rolling up an M3 and putting, a, a, and, and putting more verticals in, it would be very, very similar. So we end up in a position that looks like this. So let's convert that. Now let's see what the market does here. If we look at the charts, right, we had a very significant up move here at this point. So let's see if that keeps going. Go to 29. Show me to look back and look at toss again. Looks like we have a major, another big move on the 31st. So let's go to the 31st here. All right. So now, if we go to the 31st, we're up significantly again. Right. We're back outside the tent. We have actually a volatility issue going on. If we take a look at our breaks, we're negative theta. We're positive vega again. Uh, Delta's fine, but we're still having this issue here. So also, I noticed that I'm like 21 days to expiration. And if I look at the chart, the market's been up a lot. Right? We're coming into some resistance up in this area. You know, chances are we're not going to be going too, too much higher. So that being the case, I might actually want to get a little bit more aggressive with this trade and push into a rock trade. Now, the issue, if you, if you know the M3 and the rock trades, the issue is the M3 trade tends to have a very flat T plus zero line like this. A rock trade is more of a high gamma condor type of a trade that takes advantage of the market being relatively flat, but is going to get beat up pretty bad if you have some, this, this real extreme price move right after you convert into it. In other words, it's a really drastic change to go from an M3 configuration to a rock configuration. So I might not want to go completely there. I might only want to go partway there. So that being the case, I could do something like, uh, let's see. I could do something like increase my butterfly size here. To full size. And push myself into, let's see, one, two, four, five, yeah, five here and push myself into a more of a rock trade, in which case I would come 40 points higher to 1180. And I'd start putting some in here. So let's see if I can do this. Um, let's try five of these. Let's do five of these, and we'll do five of these. Five. Sorry, one, two, three, four, five. Right, so that's going to put us into something that looks like this. But we're going to have we're going to be overcapitalized. We're going to have this this weird stuff going on down here. So let's. Um, We are going to want to, we don't want to go completely into a rock trade. If we went to completely into a rock trade, we'd be minus 180 delta or so coming in here. 
Right, we said we didn't want to do that. We wanted to be less than that. So we can come into here and let's do something like this to help keep our delta down a little bit. Instead of doing our butterfly, a full butterfly, we're actually doing a broken wing butterfly. That's going to bring our delta down some. Um, also, let's um, let's do this. Let's buy ten of these. Let's buy ten of these. And plus ten. And I'm only saying that because when I take when I do the when I do the capital control, I think I'm going to pull. I'm going to, I'm going to pull these out. Right? I'm going to close these out, and this is just going to this is just a capital control technique, right? To get our capital level down. Realistically, there's not a whole lot of credit on these anyway. Uh, plus ten, right? So I would do two vertical spreads here. Right, that's going to put us into a position that looks something like that, and then right brings our capital down to like twenty-five thousand, and then I could actually hold this position if I wanted to. It's actually not bad, so let's just do that, and we will push this a little bit forward and see what happens. So I've gone from a more condor position from a flat position to a more condor position that's going to give me more um, give me more theta and so forth, but it's going to do it in a manner that's not quite as drastic as going into a full rock trade and uh, creating a problem that way. So let's just kind of close this out and we'll just move forward here. So the next day, I probably run into a problem. It's probably going to be three or four days here. All right, so the market comes down. There's really no issue there. Oops, I do not want to close that. All right, so no issue with that. So the market has happened to stop for a little while. And again, I want to choose my delta limits. If I'm still holding a M3 style trade, in other words, halfway between an M3 and a rock. A rock negative delta is allowed to be about minus um, 250. An M3 is only allowed to be minus 50, especially outside of the tent area. So I might want to go a little bit in between that and maybe kick this down to maybe, uh, say, 110 area, right? So now at this point, I've actually, I'm actually having this issue with having my delta a little bit too negative. So if I'm in a rock trade, what I'm doing here is I'm actually coming in here at the 1,200 level now. I'm starting to sell, uh, buy some butterflies here. And let's just do, I don't think I need five, but I probably need maybe two. One, two, three, four, five. And realistically, when I'm, when I, when I'm close to expiration like this, there's a lot of times there's no point in me going any further or any higher with my options. Than maybe this 1220 area because I'm, not, I'm taking on risk for no reason, right? So I can certainly go something like that. That puts me to minus 180. I might want to be a little bit more aggressive than that because, like I was saying, um, I'm thinking that 
I'm thinking that um, we're halfway between a rock and an M3 trace. So I could certainly come down to here, maybe cut myself to 135, and you know end up in a position like this, which if you know the rock trace is essentially a rock trace. That's what that is. So we can convert that, and we can move forward here. All right, another flat day. All right, so now we're way over on our delta limits, so we would crank this up to maybe, maybe by five of these. Let me just take a guess here. All right, that brings us to around minus 180, which would be a, which would be a, rock, a, a representative rock trade delta number. Close, and let's just kind of convert this. Now with a rock trade, the um, you know we allow as, my, as much as minus 250 to the upside. So if we continue up, oh, okay. So now we boom, we we reversed and we came down, right? So with a rock trade to the downside, we're only allowing 100 delta. So we'll just come in here. We'll start pulling off some uh, options. One of the things we have here is we have these calls, which generally are not part of a rock trade. So I can dump those. Right, and that actually brings me into a range here that is fairly decent for my delta numbers. So I can pull those off. I can move forward another day. All right, we're actually okay here. Uh, here, we move forward another day. All right, now we now we get hammered to the downside. We have a uh, 410. Delta, which is way too high, so we can start basically pulling out of these now. You could actually close the whole upper side if you wanted to, because the, uh, realistically there's no need of being in that because it's um, uh, minus four, because they're not really worth anything. But we'll keep them there for now. Whoops, that's not what I want to do. Commence to ah minus four. Right, that brings us to minus, I have to go even further than that, maybe minus six. And let's see, minus six. That pulls us a little bit too far. So that being the case, I usually don't want to go all the way to minus 63 delta. That's too much of a move. So I'm just going to go with five. Minus five, which puts us at positive 15. So that puts us in a position that looks like this now. Let's just kind of scale out here. Right. I'm pulling on about, let's see, about 35,000 risk to the upside, about uh, 27 or 30 to the downside. And if we were to move forward here, All right, we're only four days to expiration, so realistically, would it be a bad idea to close it that day? No, probably not. Right, be perfectly fine to, to close something like this at this point. You know, what are we looking for for a profit in this? Initially, we were looking for ten thousand dollar range. <coughs> we're running about um, about eighty eight. Right, so something like that is is reasonable. And let me just kind of close this off. Okay, so you get a ten point drop, so you drop out of these guys here. And, uh, and minus three. So that is essentially how you would probably end up this if you wanted to take it all the way to expiration. Like I said, I probably would have closed it a little bit earlier. 
but that's a, just an example of, of a, an M3 trade that's converted gradually over to a ROT trade in a safer manner than going in and doing a complete reversal. And it started out, again, double-sized. Had that double-sized M3 trade actually worked out the way that, um, without the market going crazy, right, if we take a look at what happened in the price charts here, if it actually worked out without the market going crazy here to the upside, then, um, then you're going to typically make significantly more than you would with your typical $50,000 M3, but you would um, um, do it a lot easier. Of course, you know, like I said, this was a really big move. If you had a condor or something on it, it would have been an issue. So that's essentially what, the, what, a, what an example of an upside move on an M3, advanced M3 trade might look like that converts into a rock trade. So I don't know if there's any questions on that. We can go over other examples or we can answer questions. Do you have anything, Tom? Um, yeah, there were a few questions, John. Um, uh, somebody asked, uh, is APM designed for any trader, such as a Jeep, Kevlar, et cetera, or specifically for M3 traders? Well, when you look at a Jeep trade, it's, a Jeep trade is, is, is very similar in a T plus zero line profile to an M3 trade. Or if you look at a weird or trade, it's very similar in profile to an M3 trade. Um, typically, an M3 trade has is capable of making more profits, but it has pluses and minuses that go with it. But essentially, it's a T plus zero line that's similar. If you look at a broken wing butterfly, it's also a T plus zero line that's similar. Uh, all these concepts will work with those trades, but they're explained in a manner that relates to the M3 trade. So I'm not sure. In other words, all the concepts will work no matter what trade you're doing, if, um, no matter what trade you're doing. But if you're not familiar with the M3, you might have trouble comprehending what's going on, if that makes sense. Okay, and then Andrew asked, uh, why is delta not increased with a double-sized position? Well, that's one thing that you can do, right? So we talk about in the program that you can do a double-sized position with the same delta. You can do a double-sized position with one-and-a-half delta. You can do a double-sized position with two times delta. When you do a double-sized position, typically your shorts are in closer to your longs, which means you're going to have, a, in other words, which means delta means a different thing, right? Because instead of having maybe 50 points between, for the downside, for example, instead of having 50 points between your longs and short strikes, you might have 40 points, you might have 30, you might have 10. When you have different lengths, the delta is, reacts differently. So. Generally, if you do an M3 trade that's double-sized and you keep the same delta, most of the time, well, what's going to happen is it's going to react more favorably in a trending market than a regular M3. It's going to typically gain about 50% profit higher than, a than you would have on your regular M3. So if you had a regular M3, you would have made $2,000 on. Typically, if you're double-sizing it, you'll make three. If you run one and a half times delta, that what that means is you might do a little bit worse in a hard trending market, but in a more normal market where you get some back and forth movement, then you're typically going to do about twice the profits you would do in a regular M3. And if you're in an extremely choppy market and it's known when you go in, you can run two, and a half, two times delta. That's going to give you significantly higher profits closer to maybe one, one and a half times 
what you're going to make in a normal M3, and it's going to be at the expense of, because everything has benefits, everything has drawbacks, it's going to be at the expense of, uh, if you have a really large move in one direction that's consistent, you're going to possibly cause a loss for yourself. But it's not going to be the way, even with those numbers, it's not going to be a devastating loss. It's just going to be a normal loss. But, uh, but essentially, that's the way that it works. So you can run it with any of those delta numbers, depending on what you want. Great. Um, another question that was about the, uh, the capital for this trade. Now, this trade that you have on the screen right now, that was a, a double-sized trade, if I believe. Was that it was, right? It was a double-sized $50,000. It was, it, was, it, was it was a $50,000 M3 trade that I double-sized the number of contracts in it. So it's really a $100,000 trade then. No, because I, because I well, no, because I keep my capital levels to fifty thousand. Okay, so that was the question. It, it shows like one hundred eleven thousand on your net requirements, but the gross requirements are twenty five. Yeah, if you look at if you look at your your analyzed graphs here, we're actually only at maybe twenty five thousand dollars are going to are going to hit you at because you because you can't lose more than that, right? On the position right here is actually the maximum. Let me back this out. Right, so our maximum possible loss in this trade is actually going to be in the thirty, under forty thousand dollars at this point. Yeah, it looks like thirty-nine. Right, right, right. So option view doesn't. One of the things you got to remember with option view is it doesn't calculate these the same way as your broker a lot of the time. Right, so you got to keep that in mind. Depending on the country you're in, some countries have some weird margin requirements. In which case, you'd have to deal. There, there are ways to get around these these weird margin requirements by playing with different different options. So you can it, it makes it it can still be done. It just makes it more complicated. <laughs> yeah, I think option view is kind of confusing people because they think the the capital they see that hundred eleven thousand, but there's also a eighty six thousand dollar cash flow that offsets that. So it's. Right. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit confusing. Um, yeah, another, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say another question um, from ML. In real trading environment, is that how you do this? You model the trade and enter the order and toss. I think you use LiveVol, though, don't you? And then uh, uh, what if – go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You can finish the question. Well, yeah, then the rest of the question is, what if fill does not happen right away and the Greeks change? Do you remodel and try again? What happens in a fast market? Do you like to wait for calmer market to do the adjustments? Okay, so the first question was, well, let's just go to the second question first. Typically, I do not adjust these intraday. So what the market does intraday isn't really that relevant to me unless it's really, really extreme. I do have some intraday limits that I put in place. Uh, in case of extreme markets, but they're much, much greater than our normal delta limits. So essentially what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get an idea. I'm going to be trading this, and I check my trades at about 3 o'clock to 3.30 in the afternoon, usually closer to the 3 o'clock level, and I try to get an average idea about what the delta is running because the delta, the delta moves all over the place, at which point I will make a decision on an adjustment, and I will do the adjustment whether the delta changes or not. So... I'm not looking at this from a moment-by-moment -moment basis. This is not a fast-moving trade. It seems like it's fast-moving because we went over 30 days in 10 minutes. But the reality, and, and we, had a, we had a time when the market was extreme here. We had, a, I think it was a 100-point up move in the market, right? So 
you know, that being the case, it seems like a lot of moves, but if you're actually doing this, it's really not a whole lot. It's an adjustment once a day. It's um, you're making the decision and then doing it. And, you know, the pricing is going to change. We have whole um, classes or, or sections of our programs that deal with, you know, how to get things executed and what order to execute things. And some of that's in the ATM program. We deal with execution stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, the price is going to move. You're going to get different prices and so forth. And, um, you know, it, 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 it works out. Like I said, we deal with these trades with millions of dollars on the trading desk. Uh, I'm not the only one who trades these. I have, uh, we have a whole slew of people who are trading M3 style trades on the trading desk with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases millions of dollars. Uh, at a time, I trade my own account. And uh, like I said, my students as well uh, trade with that kind of money, making these kinds of moves in the market. So uh, it's certainly doable. Okay, and then had a couple questions about the capital, but I think we already covered that. Um, Casey asked, so your delta limits are somewhere between the M3 and the ROC delta guidelines? Well, here, here's the thing. The, you know, I just did an example here where I double-sized the M3, and I had decided in advance just to keep the regular M3 delta guidelines, which is fine. That would have net yielded us in a regular M3 trade a profit target uh, of $5,000. And, you know, one of the things you got to remember about a profit target, a profit target isn't the number that you get all the time. A profit target is a reasonable amount of money that you can expect when the trade goes extremely well. So if just because I have a $5,000 profit target doesn't mean you're going to be hitting that on a monthly basis. Anyway, that said, I've switched into a double-sized M3 with the same delta limits as a regular M3. So that switches my expected profit target up to about 7500 on that particular trade. The, now, when I decide to go into a rock trade, which I do only because the market is up an extreme amount, right? So the only reason I would, in other words, I, I would plan this ahead of time. I would make out some sort of a trading plan saying, you know, I'm going to trade this as an M3, but if the market goes this far, and I'm this far from expiration, I'm going to want to go into more of what we call a rock trade. If I go into a rock trade, once I make that decision to start that process, then I'm going to start altering my delta numbers. Now, within the programs, the regular programs, we switch. We make this drastic switch. We, we come out of an M3 trade. We go right into a rock trade. So we're switching from like a minus 50 delta to a minus 250 delta, which is a huge shift. So if you're not timed right on that shift, you can get beat up pretty bad. Because if you switch into, if you're in, a, if if you're in an extreme uptrending market and you switch into this rock trade where you're carrying a lot of negative delta now, a rock trade reacts very well with an with up moves, assuming they're grinding normal sized up moves. But you're now at a risk of taking a loss if you if you all of a sudden you you take this 30 point up move the day after you convert. So what we do in reality or in the more advanced programs is we don't go we don't go that far. Instead of going from a minus 50 delta limit to a 250 limit and you know, creating an issue where we have a, 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 what we call a gamma trend issue if you've done the M3, instead of creating that, we go partially into a rock trade. So if we go partially into a rock trade, say if I'm estimating that I'm halfway into a normal rock trade, then I'm going to maybe run a delta limit 
somewhere in between minus 250 and minus 100. What I tend to do is I will get more aggressive. In other words, I'll create a position that has a higher theta and more negative vega, and then I'm going to allow the delta limit to increase maybe from minus 50 to minus 100. And then if the market stays up there a few days, I'm going to get a little bit more aggressive with the position, and I'm going to allow a little bit more negative delta. And then as we get closer and closer into getting into a full rock position or a regular rock position, I'm going to gradually transition over to taking the whole delta limit. So, it, so if that makes sense. So it's a, it's a transitionary trade. So we're, we're transitioning from a position that's extremely resilient to price movement to one that's less resilient to price movement but is going to be do a lot better if the market stops, right? And we're trying to do that in as risk-free a manner as possible so that we don't get in trouble and take a loss on the trade because this whole thing is about being able to manage a, a relatively large surprise moves. So hopefully Very good. Um, another question, uh, with plant capital of 50000 what would you plan to have in your entire account? Uh, you know, you're not trading a $50,000 account with a $50,000 plant capital. Oh, yes, I am. Um, a lot of times <laughs> I will. Um, sometimes I'll trade it with $40,000 of capital. Uh, okay. I'll just keep my – in other words, I'll, in other words, I can do – and it all depends on what I want. And, of course, your account shouldn't be all of your money. Right. If your account's all of your money, then you're foolish. Realistically, your account size, the maximum it should be, well, without, I mean, part of the programs that we do, we talk to people about going into the trading business and being a, a full-time retail options trader, and we talk about what their account size should be relative to their net worth and whatever assets they have, and a, a, a unique thing for every person. But if you have a net worth of 50000 of you know, maybe a hundred or seventy or a hundred thousand dollars. You should not be trading with fifty thousand dollars, right? You maybe right. you should be trading with five thousand dollars. That would be more appropriate for your net worth size. So, if your if your trading account is appropriately sized, then you can use that whole account for trading. Because if the disaster happens and you happen to lose everything, you have plenty of money to refund that account and build and rebuild your you know your your trading career. So you know that's you know that's something that. That's kind of a different question. But in general, I can trade a $50,000 trade. If this is the question, can I trade a $50,000 trade in a $50,000 account? Yes, I absolutely can. I can actually trade a $50,000 trade in probably as low as a $35,000 account. So um, anyway, that's my answer to that. Okay. And then uh, Ray asks, is max loss the same as max capital being used? Or do you uh, have a max? No. Uh, well, Yes and no, right? You have an acceptable loss. So if I'm doing an M, if I'm doing a double sized M3, I'm still holding my maximum loss at around five thousand dollars, right? Okay, so, so roughly like ten of your planned capital. Right, right, right. About ten percent of my planned capital. Right, I'm still holding that. Now, if I'm doing double delta, if I'm doing single delta rules. So one of the things, if you if you use, in other words, if I'm using a regular my regular delta limits for a $50,000 trade and I'm double-sizing it, I can keep my maximum loss numbers 95% of the time you know, below that $5,000 limit, so I can use that number. If I start increasing my delta limits, if I start going one-and-a-half times delta or two times delta, I do have to – I have the ability to make more, but I also have to allow for a bigger drawdown. 
So if I go in two times delta, I'm going to have to at least get my maximum loss up by one and a half. Otherwise, I'm going to hit it unnecessarily at times when the market gets, uh, you know, just due to the volatility shifts in the market when they misprice the options and stuff, sometimes it'll draw down that much. So you have to allow a little bit for that. But in general, that's what I'm calling a maximum loss number. However, as options traders, we have to be aware or open to the fact that, yes, we can lose everything, so you need to be trading appropriately sized. I mean, it's never happened to me or anybody that, um, you know, that I know of doing our strategies, but, you know, you get something like 1987 that happens, you get a 20% drop in the market, near expiration, you're done, right? It's, a, it's taking everything you have in the trade. So you have to be aware of that and appropriately size your trades so that you can survive something like that. Well, I know directional traders, and like Bill Gary likes to use a 2% max risk per trade from your account. So if you have right. a $5,000 max loss, then 50 times that would be 250000 So that would be appropriate for a $250,000 account if you're going to lose 5000 if you use that 2% guideline. Right, right. These trades are a little bit different, and like I said, the, the, you, what you're asking is more as a money management thing. I mean, if you had all your money in your trading account, everything you have in your trading account, then yes, definitely. But, you know, these trades here are going to win most of the time, and most of the time when you're going to lose, you're going to be well within your max loss tolerances, and you can actually trade that large as long as you have, um, as long as you're managing the rest of your money appropriately. And right. you can go ahead and do this. I mean, the chances of you taking, you know, three losses in a row and something like this, I've never seen it happen. Uh, it, you know, it's certainly not three maximum losses, not in an M3 type of trade. I mean, it just, it just doesn't happen. So um, not if you're trading it properly. Right. But, um, but you do have next, to test it. Go ahead. Oh, no, another question. Uh, in the introduction, you mentioned to be able to adjust with fewer and better working strikes. Was this covered in this example as well, or do you have additional comments? Well, you got to remember, this program was two days long, <laughs> right? Yeah, we so, can't do it all in half an hour, right? Yeah, so I gave you an example of 20 minutes. Um, so, yeah, not all stuff was covered in there, but... but but yes, an example of that kind of is covered. Uh, certainly a double-sized example was kind of covered. Switching into a rock trade from a, an M3 trade was covered. Also, when we were dealing with upside adjustments, one of the things that we did is we added, we just simply added a butterfly at a higher level rather than closing out the whole position and moving the whole thing higher, which would be an example of fewer adjustments. Right? right. So, so, so yes, we kind of covered some of that. We're getting near the end. A couple of quick ones. Uh, why do you avoid positive vega? Um, I kind of explained that a little bit. One of the things is your vega number, if we go back a few days, let's go to, actually, I think the 30, 31st, maybe. Let me just go to the, yeah, I think the 31st is the date here. If we're in something like this, right? Uh, what was the last big move before that? Big move before that. Well, we can we can go with this. If you're in something like this, you need to think about. And again, this is you know one of the assumptions we do is we're talking about options that are all in the same month. As soon as you enter a back month option, that's a different story, right? A back month option 
um, completely screws your brakes up. It doesn't give you a real representative representation of whether you're positive vega or not because the back month, basically your, your positive volatility is coming from a different month. And the, the two months do not increase and decrease volatility at the same rate. You can have a drastic increase in one month and not an increase in the other, or you can have vice versa. So that means the Greeks numbers are no longer really valid as to how the position is going to react with volatility changes anymore. So assuming we're in the same month, what, we're, what we have here is options have time value, right? This is time premium. So you know, this option has 1060, this one has 920. What I want to know is what's holding my T plus zero line where it is. Generally, if my volatility is negative and my theta is positive, which is a combination of the two. If my theta is positive and my volatility is solidly negative, that means this, this line here is essentially held in position or from short options. If my volatility goes significantly positive, then the stability of this line staying up is dependent on my long options. And if it's dependent on my long options, what happens with long options is when you get a very large price move, Everybody's wanting to buy long options because they want to take advantage of the price move. So the market maker inflates the time value in them. That's how he covers himself. So he, he puts all this time value in the options. Now, what will happen is you'll get a really, really big move from here to here maybe, and there's going to be a lot of time value in these long options, not because volatility is high, because a lot of times volatility will actually drop, yet the time value in those options increases like crazy. And that holds, the, when you're in M3 trade, that actually holds your profit and loss. If we go back to, gosh, um, let's just look at this day here, which is the, what the heck day is that? 28th, maybe? Yeah, 28th. If we go back to the 28th, right, this had a huge move. We went way outside the 10. Right, and people are scared to death about being outside the tent for some reason, uh, and mainly because they usually hedge these with options that are like out of the money. In which case, you should be afraid to be outside the tent. But if you're in the money and you're and you're relatively stable, when you get these large price moves, typically this T plus zero line is very very stable. Now it's very stable because they've cranked in a whole bunch of time value into these options. When they do that, that's going to throw your volatility positive. And the danger in that, there's no danger in that whatsoever if the market keeps moving. If the market keeps moving and, or, or if they think the market's going to keep moving and they hold the time value high in these options, there's nothing wrong with that because if it keeps moving, I mean, you're perfectly fine from a delta standpoint. The challenge with this is if the market stops, what happens is the time value in this option in particular, well, actually, all these options is going to drop out, but this one in particular is what's holding your T plus zero line. And I know that because my, my, my vague is positive. And actually, my fate is actually, my fate is neutral, but my vague is significantly positive. So essentially, that's telling me that a large part of the T plus, plus zero line stability is actually dependent on this 1120 option. And essentially, if they pull the time value out of that, or, and they're going to do that if the market stops moving and, and the major participants in the market start selling their options now because they don't think the market's going to move anymore, 
the market maker pulls all the time premium out of those options, and the T plus zero line will drop like a rock. Right. So I need I need my T plus zero line to be more dependent on short options, and I can do that many ways. I mean, I can I can do that. I don't have to buy a butterfly all the way up there. I mean, it could maybe be something as simple as that. That might right. That even that would probably stabilize me at least for for the night. Unfortunately, it throws me positive delta like crazy, which is a different problem. But I can stabilize the line by doing something like that because now it's more dependent on my short options to remain stable, right? So essentially, I guess that's kind of the answer to your question. That's why in, in this particular position, I do not want to be volatility positive. If I'm all options in the same month, it's essentially telling me that my T plus zero line is being held up by long options, and I don't want that because that can be bad if the market stops. Um, Jan asks, can you go from a rock to an M3? You can as long as you're not drawing down money. Matter of fact, you automatically go from a rock to an M3 if you, if the market comes down, right? If you're in a rock trade and the market shifts down, then the rock system is designed to switch you into an M3 trade because we make the assumption that when the market comes down, it's going to start to get more volatile. Therefore, when the market comes down, we shift into an M3 trade and just gradually switch back into it. And you can even do that to the upside if you want to. It's not within the system, but it's something that certainly can be done. Uh, but I wouldn't do that if you're down, down a significant amount of money because here's the thing with the M3 trade. It's extremely resilient to price movement. It's not very good at making up a big deficit. So you know, if you're in an M3 trade or you're in a rock trade and you're down 5% and you're going to go into a if you're in a rock trade and you're down 5% and you switch over to an M3 trade, the chances of you making that money back is not good. So you're almost better off to either exit and go into the next month if you want to do that or just stay in the high theta position and wait till the market comes back a little bit and then switch back over. Okay, yeah, uh, one last question. I think we need to wrap it up. Uh, do you worry about huge market gaps overnight and exceeding your max loss? Uh, I have, and it's one of the things we talk about in the uh, in the program. Do I worry about it? No, but I do have a I, I do have a rule set that has a certain T plus zero line profile. In other words, in a position like this, I would not be concerned whatsoever uh, because realistically, we'd have to have a gap like you've never seen in history in order to have a problem here. But if we go back. Well, if I was positioned, you know, back here somewhere, if I was positioned back here somewhere, then that does become a concern. And essentially what I do is I take, um, I look at the, you know, Russell, what's the biggest the Russell really ever gaps? And usually it's 10 to 15 points. And sometimes you have what we call a gap and run because I won't, I won't adjust my positions unless I have a solid feeling where the market's going. I won't adjust my positions before 10 o'clock in the morning. So by the time 10 o'clock in the morning rolls around, if you get a 15-point gap down, you might be down 25, maybe 30 points. So I might take, take you know, say if I was at 670, I might take a look at, uh, if I was at uh, 1070, I might take a look at 1030 and say, okay, what's my drawdown likely to be like at 1030? And at this point, it's minus $7,000. So I might say, well, you know, and I, and I make it, I make a reasonable assumption of what volatility might do and everything else. Typically, volatility doesn't bother you a whole lot out here. 
because while this is a negative vega trade in here, it's not really that negative vega out here. It's, it's, it's relatively flat volatility. So in other words, the volatility increase is going to affect, affect here. It's not really going to affect here very much. So I just take that into consideration. And if it's not an acceptable, if 30 points, for example, isn't a number that I can deal with, then I will make some sort of a correction with the position so that it is a number that I can deal with. And of course, if you're in M3 configuration, you don't really have to worry about it gapping to the upside. I mean, you might lose, but you're not going to take this huge loss. Right? right. It's going to be whatever it is. It's going to be reasonable. So, uh, so essentially, I say, well, if this thing's going to go 30 points, it's going to give me a problem. As far as drastically exceeding what I want to risk, then I will make an adjustment for that. And then uh, I guess there was one more question. Uh, what percentage of your students, if you know this, are profitable? Well, I mean, you never know for sure. Because, well, I, I can tell you one-on-one -on -one students, as far as I know. I mean, I pretty much, if they stay with me, I pretty much get everybody profitable. Um, for people who just buy the programs, I don't know because I don't know half the people who bought them. Right. And I don't know if they went through them, and I don't know if they used them. So I can only speak for the one-on-one -on -one people um, going there. And he had another compliment from Cynthia, who attended the APM seminar and said it was amazing. So uh, thanks, John, for your time. Thanks, everyone, for staying to the end. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure uh, the APM product will be available to purchase in the next few weeks, I guess, right? Uh, I'm working on it. I'll tell you as fast as I can, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully by the end of the month here, we'll be all set there. So, so, uh, so keep your eyes out for that. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again, John. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on the roundtable in the future. All right. Thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.